where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. I wasn't allowed to set foot on campus. So I had to try to tune in with my computer sitting right here to all these things that were happening in the gym or in meetings. They tried to get me in the first week to teach my class from here when they were all in the classroom. Like it was just impossible. And Hey everybody, Michael Thiessen here, and today on Open Mic with Michael Thiessen, I'm about to have one of those great open conversations with author and former teacher, Carolyn Johnson. Carolyn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having um, me. Let me tell everybody a little bit about you just before we get started. So Carolyn was fired from her job teaching at the prestigious Toronto French School uh, and I kid you not, uh, in Toronto, they do all of their dialogue in French. We'll, we'll talk about that later, like even administrative stuff. And she was uh, released for refusing to get vaccinated. And so we're going to kind of go back into that story a little bit with, with Carolyn today, folks, because I think so easily the memory forgets all of the drama that people have gone through. And so, but that led her uh, to writing and to uh, realizing a lifelong dream of writing juvenile fiction. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your book, Adam and the Witch Queen. So Carolyn, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's a beautiful, mild January day. <laughs> yes. The, the mild weather has been welcomed as of recent, hasn't it? Um, I'm a little bit further south than you right now where I'm recording. And uh, I walked outside in the sunshine yesterday and enjoyed almost a summer-like day. It was just gorgeous. Nice. I so, cycled to work. Actually, I am working again as a teacher in a different um, school. But I was able to cycle to work. And on the way home, the uh, the birds were chirping. So we'll get to spring eventually, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's great to hear that you've got another job. I hope hopefully we'll hear about that. But let's yeah. let's go back to the Toronto French School and uh what happened there where you had to basically decide uh, yeah. about being vaccinated against your will or yeah. this pre prestigious job that you would have at this you know uh, you know when you explained to me off camera that you actually did all your contract dealings in French like that that's a that's a pretty high standard of, of yeah. uh, linguistics that you would have to be able to, you'd have to be quite fluent in order to, to teach there. So let's talk about yeah. that experience. So I uh, lived in France as a child. So that's where I learned French. Um, so I have a pretty, I'm, I consider myself fluently bilingual. And so I was, um, I really enjoyed teaching at Toronto French School for seven years. Actually, I taught grade two, grade six, seven, eight in those middle years. And um, I had great colleagues and 
really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, I, you know, I even enjoyed working with that kind of um, very well-off demographic. Some, you know, there's lovely people everywhere. Then um, I guess we are now in April of 2021. This kind of when the story starts. Um, I had dutifully worn my mask all school year. I had taught online and we pivoted. Remember that word and um, done all the things. But then one day my husband was selling a piece of music equipment through our local classified service. And when he met up with the guy, the guy was very friendly and said, hey, I've, you know, I've got your text information. Can I, can I send you a, um, a video? My husband's like, sure. <laughs> so guess what it was? <laughs> it was well, we'll Ryan. Viewers, just a, just a heads up. Random stranger says, can I send you a video? Usually get over your Canadian politeness and say, no, what is it first? Anyways, that's fine. Caroline. I forget what the, I, you know what? It's so long ago. I forget what the details yeah, yeah. were. It was something COVID related. So we said, yeah, sure. yeah, that's right. So it was a half hour video of Dr. Ryan Cole um, testifying, I believe at the Idaho state Senate and saying, first of all, COVID is endemic. It's not going away. Second of all, people who die of COVID have low vitamin D levels, and um, it's not fatal for most people. So any fear or, or, you know, apprehension I had about getting sick from COVID, it just evaporated completely. And then when he said that the people who were dying of COVID were older than the average age of death to begin with, I realized I was completely not at risk. Um for any, you know, COVID mortality. So that's when I started to say, uh, something's really wrong here. It took me a year to kind of wake up, but I finally did just in time. I thank God for that. Um, because I began to do some research on, you know, the vaccines, they were starting to get rolled out, colleagues were starting to line up to take the jab for the team and all this stuff. So I came across, I think that probably the biggest um, well of information was a series of long form uh, video interviews from the guy who produced Planet Lockdown. I don't know if you've come across that resource, but he went all over Europe and North America interviewing experts, people in ethics, people um, in politics, people in the sciences. And without exception, everyone said, this is not a safe product. There's no way you can get it to market safely in the time frame that they're proposing. Um, and there's a hidden agenda behind that. So then I started to research that. And then I started to get really uncomfortable. So at the end of the school year, um, it's now June, the school came up with a vaccination policy and it was strongly recommended. But all summer, I knew that the ax was gonna fall. And so I started to lose my hair, <laughs> actually. Um, and so that's how I knew my body was extremely stressed out. And it was, you know, I just had this hanging over my head. I thought as soon as the province says, go ahead, you know, make it mandatory. My school is going to jump on board. And they did. So I think it was a week before uh, we went back to do our 
um, in-service training the week before school started. Um, the new vaccine policy came out, sure enough, mandatory. And Marilyn, there I, were I a handful to, of us. Yeah, go ahead. I just mm-hmm. want to pause you for a moment because you went over a detail there that I think, that I think, again, for our listeners, they know this, but it's really helpful to remind people your body was literally under stress and actually and, and actually in harm in in the sense that the anxiety the 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 the, the knowledge of being forced and coerced against your will to do something that you have now knowingly researched and you're a thinking person any doctor prior to COVID-19, if I were to say, I need to put on a mask every day in order to shelter me from all viruses because masks work at the expense of my body temperature regularly being raised, me having to breathe more carbon dioxide into my body. Uh, and every time I put on that mask, I get stressed every single time. There's no family doctor that would have said, yeah, that's a good practice. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. No. You know, oh, you're losing your hair. That's great. You're at least you won't potentially won't get the common cold. Um, that means it's working. So, <laughs> well, yeah, like, they, they would just, they would really uh, reject that out of hand. And I think that it's so important for people to remember what, what we went through, you know, if I put on one of those masks, yeah. I measured my body temperature and it, it would increase a degree to make my head flush and headachey after five minutes. So I, I don't know how you did it day after day, but I actually said, well, is this good for me? I would put it on an experiment and be like, why do I feel like I'm going to pass out? Oh, it's because my body temperature increased yeah. with putting one on. This is why, again, folks, it's so important that you share with people who are still asleep and still just got their head in the sand. Do your own research and 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 mm-hmm. and and look into these matters, especially if you're living under stress and you're living under the, these conditions. Okay, go ahead. I, I just wanted to point that out. Your body was literally telling you this is unhealthy, and yet they're telling you it's healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that I would finish my career at Toronto French School. I, I you know, and now in retrospect, I can see that the school's heading in a direction that's even more globalist, uh, woke, etc. So I think the timing was good for me to make my exit then. But, um, you know, that was my source of income. I had built up a certain amount of seniority. And what were we going to do? Because there was no question. And another thing I'm really thankful for is that my husband and I were unified on this issue, as I know it's been a huge issue in some families. So there was no question that um, I was not going to take the jab. So then the question was, well, how can I negotiate with the school? How is this all going to go down? Because I wasn't at that point, from that point onward, I wasn't allowed to set foot on campus. So I had to try to tune in 
with my computer sitting right here to all these things that were happening in the gym or in meetings. They tried to get me in the first week to teach my class from here when they were all in the classroom. Like it was just impossible. And anyway, so <laughs> let me back up a little bit. <laughs> no, because I was, I was such a mortal what, threat. What type of prestigious school? Like, this is the insanity. Teach your class from home while all the kids are in the class. Like, I was a student once. You're telling me the teacher's not physically going to be here. Do you know the type of stuff that I would have done to get away with and have fun all day long? It, it's ludicrous. Anyways, go ahead. Totally. So, um, I should also add that I had met Todd Smith and Deanna McLeod at Muskoka Bible Center that summer, and they've been um, both on the science side and on the spiritual side, such a support to, to me in particular, to my family. And I think Deanna's um, advice, you know, basically that this, this thing is, is rotten to the core, don't touch it. Um, and come and pray with us every Monday morning. That really helped me get through. But before everything, um, before I had to, to really make that decision, we had a bit of time. So my husband and I did a seven day fast and we just thought, what, what are we going to do, Lord? How, how can we make it through? My husband wasn't working for COVID reasons as well. So we were going to lose, you know, our only source of income. So we set ourselves to fast and within the first day or so, the Lord gave us a verse from Isaiah 43 and it says, um, forget about the past. Don't think about the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So we thought, okay, God is closing one door. He's going to lead us through a wilderness. He's going to lead us through probably a challenging time, but not to worry because there's going to be provision uh, and there's going to be guidance. So after that, I said, okay, um, you're offering me termination. I'll take it. So they, uh, do, do you want to know what we said? It was a rupture à l'amiable. So an amicable split, <laughs> which is a euphemism for um, you go away quietly. We'll write you a nice reference letter and we'll pay you the, the you know, minimum severance. But please go away because we can't have any, you know, threats to our life on campus or however they, they saw me. We can't have any pestilential people around. Hey friends, are you tired of having leftism ram down your throat everywhere you turn? Like you're just exhausted where you go into a business and they want to promote leftist ideas and causes to you all day long. I know I'm tired of this and you know, this is why we need to have new buying habits. So why are you buying coffee from companies that hate you and your freedoms? I, I can think of the day that I stopped desiring to support Starbucks. It was two years ago. Well, look, Resistance Coffee is here for you. I was just talking to Nicole in our production studio. She really wants to drink Resistance Coffee, but she's not yet gone and 
bought resistance coffee well look you can enjoy their wonderful taste and their fresh roasted coffee nicole with the knowledge that your money is not funding leftist causes so in fact folks resistance coffee gives 10 percent of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for constitutional freedoms for canadians this is partly why we partnered with resistance they have been gracious to us from day one. So Resistance Coffee roasts specialty grade beans, which means you're getting high end quality coffee that's roasted fresh for you. So be done with stale grocery store coffee uh, or uh, picking up your $4 uh, coffee cup somewhere else. Support Canadian Freedoms. Go to resistancecoffee.com backslash LCC and join the resistance today. Nicole, go out and buy it today. Stop hesitating. Go online. You can do it. Resistancecoffee.com backslash LCC. Those situations where it's a technical resignation because you've agreed to the terms um, and by agreeing to the terms, then you can't come after them for it being actually a constructive dismissal, which is where an employer unjustly just constructively makes someone go away. They construct a situation that's not needed in order for someone to go away. You know, I, I faced the exact same thing within the fellowship of evangelical Baptist churches, where it was like, if, if they were going to let me go, then it, it would be a, it would be an awkward thing for all of us. I was determined to go on in speaking out and telling churches to stay open. So for the sake of peace, I resigned. And so, so in reality, we did choose to resign and they, and, and instead of forcing them to force us out, but hmm. it, it, it is a, it is a great decision, Carolyn. And, and I, I want to remind you of a book. You just quoted that Isaiah 43 passage. There's actually a book called streams in the desert hmm. written by Letty Cowman. And uh, she was an OMS missionary and uh, went through really difficult times on the mission field and uh, and wrote, you know, in, in that theme of the Lord providing streams in the desert. And so um, I, I'm so glad that you, you know, I'm so glad that you took the spiritual discipline of fasting. You were praying, researching, you you made the choice and you made it advantageously for your family. So that's great. And then you did it based upon, you know, a, a study of scripture where you said, okay, the, the Lord led us to this passage. And in that context, you know, we always have to be contextual when we're interpreting scripture. That is an example of the Lord saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you out and provide for you. So it, that that's a, that's wonderful. And, and of course that, has led to the publishing of, of your book, which is I'm sure That's a right. great stream of refreshment and encouragement. Um, you can see them, you know, up on your wall behind you. And so let's transition into talking about the book a little bit and, and describing mm -hmm. the book. Um, you obviously have have a passion for literature and writing. So first of all, why did you want to write fiction and why did you want to write juvenile fiction? So I think the great, uh, why did I want to write fiction? I, I really, 
I'm such a reader that I thought maybe I could do this too. What can I, can I enjoy that writing? Writing, I don't know if you've experienced this, but gets me into such a state of flow where I'm just immersed in it. And it's that really um, wonderful creative place. And I've created a lot of things, you know, I've knitted and made quilts and things like that. But when I write, it's like, it's the most pleasurable creative experience for me, I have to say. Yeah. Um, why juvenile fiction? I Up until the editorial part, and then it's the most miserable experience on earth ex experience. <laughs> Completely understand. Um Juvenile fiction is probably one of my favorite genres still to read. Um, there's almost no rules. You've got really strong characters that can go on wild adventures. There's no sex. There's very little violence. You know, it's just a really fun place. So that's where I thought I'd start. I have my sights set on writing historical fiction for adults, but I thought, let me cut my teeth on a smaller project that's more in the kind of 50,000 word range as opposed to... 80 to 100. So this project was actually born out of a, of a school um, project. And I know you've got a homeschooling audience, so maybe they can take this idea. So what we did was we um, made a big book out of Bristol board. And the, the front was the, the front cover. The back had just the back of the book copy, you know, a little paragraph about the story. And on the inside, the students had to cut out little, you know, clip art pictures or whatever or draw the five basic elements of the plot. They had to have a protagonist, an antagonist. They had to have a helper for the protagonist. They had to have a magical world or an other world. And then they had to have a quest. And so it was the first time we had done this project. I thought I'm, I better try it out myself just so I can see how long it takes. So one Saturday morning I sat down and I had, I, I got the idea for this story. And I made it up and uh, did the Bristol board to show the children what I, what I was looking for. And so that was in 2019. And it's crazy how prescient this story kind of was. How does that happen? How do you know things? So this Adam, um, he's, he's a kid who doesn't really fit in well at school. And he gets suspended for being very naughty and not owning up to his mistakes at home his mom is like what am I gonna do with you you have to do chores blah 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 while he's doing his chores he finds this secret trap door in the shed and he goes down into this world um, and the sky is like red brown with dust and everyone is wearing a gas mask you can kind of see that on the on the cover and the first thing that happens to him when he gets down there is he's he's ratted out by one of the citizens and these um, masked, gas masked guards, policemen start running after him. And then he ends up getting saved by a resistance group and they kind of haul him into the safety of their hideout, explain to him what's really going on and how you know, their world wasn't always like this. It's been destroyed by this tyrannical witch queen who isn't really a witch in the sort of Harry Potter sense for people who may have qualms about that. I do too. There's so much um, 
Kidlit is dominated by sorcery these days. It's dreadful. That's a whole other topic. This is a witch in the Russian Baba Yaga tradition who um, just eats children. <laughs> you know, one of those. So, okay. um, Adam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, like, she doesn't say Illuminata, but she eats children. Okay. Yeah. So that's how she has um, artificially prolonged her life. You know, she's one of these uh, immortality seekers. And throughout the book, as I was writing it, you know, I kind of tapped into some of the lies uh, that we are hearing from the technocratic powers that be, you know, that want to make the citizen feel guilty for overconsumption. They want to um, impose more and more taxation and control over small businesses. Those are some themes that are going to, that actually come up in the book. So, um, Hopefully for parents who read it with their children, it's going to be a springboard to some discussions, even about economics and things like that. But um, I don't want to give too much away, but Adam eventually has this growth moment where he, you know, back home, he didn't want to own up and make reparations for his mistake, but he makes a terrible mistake when he's in this other world and owning up to it means that he's going to have to go deeper into this prison where a lot of the resistance members have been um, locked up. And eventually this all culminates in an encounter with the witch queen. Um, and uh, well, there's a happy ending. That's all I'll say. That's great. It sounds really exciting. I want to, I want to jump into maybe a, a few thoughts. I, I love the, Baba Yaga reference. Uh, so that just, you know, makes it very kind of feeling Soviet gangster a little bit. And, and that, that sounds exciting. Um, actually one of my biggest beefs with the Harry Potter series is actually the opposite of the theme that you just talked about. So you talked about a theme and, and you could hear it in Lewis with Narnia. I always appreciated Lewis with the way that he treated the children, the children characters where they were in a they were in growth. Right. So one of our favorite characters in the horse and his boy um, would be Erebus. We literally have a beautiful golden doodle and we've named her Erebus because we just love that book and we love that heroine. But you, you know, this moment where she is deep, she is significantly rebuked by Aslan. Yeah. In fact, you know, she gets, she gets 10 claw marks from the lion on her back because she frivolously lied. And consequentially um, one of the, one of her maidservants was lashed 10 times, you know, and yeah. so she, she pays that price and, and, and the, and the children learn my biggest beef with the Harry Potter series. And, and again, that's partly because I'm a little bit partial to world war two, uh, world war two, I'm fascinated with people who are looking at world war two and, and, and that's a major theme of the development of totalitarianism in that literature. But Harry never is never corrected. Like they're, they're, they're the, the children always seem to be right in that series. Mm. And it, I think it's so important for juvenile literature where you're, you as an author are teaching the children 
actually you need to be teachable. That that's I think that's yeah. a, a very important aspect of that genre. And I don't know. Yeah, no. yeah, I don't. I hope the book isn't moralistic. I really hope so. I hope it doesn't have a glaring message. But I think what happens is in any good hero arc, the hero has to move from ego to self. And I'm borrowing this language from um, a guy named Christopher Booker, who wrote The Seven Basic Plots. It's like this magnum opus. It's about 5,000 pages long. But he basically talks about how, you know, you you set up these these um, encounters for the hero where the first time he's going to fail. And it, he fails because he's immature. He fails because he's selfish. He fails because he um, is focused on the wrong things. And then the second time he encounters the same opposition or the same scenario, whatever, he'll be able to overcome it because he himself has matured, realized his past mistakes, whatever the case may be. But um, that growth needs to happen. It's interesting that you're not seeing that in the Harry Potter series. There's certainly a lot of... Um, it's one of the things that bothered me the most about it. It was almost like they stumbled onto success with no need for yeah. growth. Interesting. And that's actually just not, that's just not the way the, that God has created this world. And so, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you're hoping to be, avoid, you know, you're avoiding it to be too obvious so that everyone doesn't roll their eyes. But I think it's absolutely fantastic that you've gone out of your way to, to help the children learn. You know, I was just sitting with a young adult last night watching a hockey practice and, you know, we just talked about like, do you want to be a trustworthy man? You know, uh, mm. do you, do you want to grow up and be a trustworthy man or do you want to stay in this world of immaturity where people can't trust you, you know, you can get along with lots of people, but people just can't trust you. Do you want to be a trustworthy man? And, and we talked yeah. about how you can say whatever you want, but, but you're going to be tested mm -hmm. and it is, and it is the, the moments where you succeed in those tests, where you actually gain a reputation to be trustworthy. And so we use the analogy of being a good skater or a good stick handler or, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, an, an aggressive hitter, you know, you can't, you can say I'm good at all of that, but it, until you're actually tested on the ice or you, you're tested in a certain field of, uh, your, your own fantasy world or in the real world, you know, you, you can't actually say I've got that maturity. So it's great that the young adults who are going to be reading your books are going to be seeing that. And I, it sounds like a pretty exciting little adventure whereby you're dealing with some, some major themes. It, it's interesting. You use the word resistance and, mm -hmm. you know, you worked at a French school. So I just, you know, when, when we started the interview and you were talking about kind of, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I'm thinking, yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, French revolution. I'm I like, uh, yes, if there's no, any, I was if there's, like, if there's any school in, the, in Toronto that's going to promote something, it, it might be this school that, that historically would, would maybe claim some revolutionary ideals. And, and so what's hmm. the difference between the resistance movement in your book and revolutionists or, 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 or what, what are you trying to help the young adults navigate? How are you trying to help them see the world? If, if 
they're seeing so much change around them. Yeah. I mean, we are living in such an interesting time. So, I, you know, Marxism has not gone away. I've, I'm seeing this more and more and more. Um, it's cultural Marxism is behind the whole woke movement and Marxism at its core is about overthrowing society and starting again. I've been listening to James Lindsay. I should get him on the podcast. He's amazing. But he's he's basically saying, you know, like the vision of, of society is that, you know, man has to conform to society, then society's overthrown. And then, you know, you're dealing with this sort of spiral of man and society gradually, you know, conforming until they're one, and that's the end of history. And so looking at that, you just say, kind of on, on the basis of what values, why are we chucking everything? Um, this is, I guess, why I'm a conservative, right? Because I, there are some things that must be conserved, preserved. Um, you know, we, we'd still need to read the great classics of Western literature to our children. We can't just toss it all and start reading uh, stories of, you know, whatever victim culture is, is trending at the moment. Um, and so, but at the same time, if we are facing militant opposition to whatever is right now, we, we need to kind of arm up a little bit, I would say culturally and say, no, we, we do not accept your vision of society. This is our vision. It's rooted in scripture. It's rooted in the very like elemental truths of God. And our society right now is not good. As Christians, we know that there are so many, there's so much corruption. There's so much, um, anyway, the list goes on. The listeners can make their own list of all the, the wrong things, but, um, are we are we reformers? What do we call ourselves? Right? Are we do we resist? But as res as we are resisting, are we um, planning a new vision? So that's one of the things I actually tried to deal with in the book. So there's this character named Dion, and he's the he's the father of this resistance movement, and he's been aware of what the witch queen's been up to from day one, and he. Um, has this uh, army of children in a sense, and he's raised them up from a young age. He saved a lot of them when their parents were um, uh, harmed by the witch queen or imprisoned or whatever. And as he reaches the kind of success of his mission, he some of the his his adopted daughter kind of starts to realize that you know we can't we can't necessarily achieve our goals of peace and justice through violence and deceit. Don't we have to begin the way we mean to continue? So some of these issues it's, um, are brought up kind of tangentially. I think we have to think about that as Christians, you know, like we, um, how do we resist the, the cultural forces in a, in a Christ-like way. This episode has also been brought to you by Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at a 40-year high and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. 
Rocklink Investment Partners understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses. Anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing and not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the World Economic Forum definition of ESG. So email Rocklink with a C at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's rocklink with a C.com. Well, I, I think I think one of the things that we've been labeled with, and, and I, I know that you and Matthew were talking a little bit about this and I just kind of got to listen into the tail end of the conversation as you guys were waiting for me to come on. And, and, and I, I want to unpack that here because I, I appreciated that when we're talking about being a resistance, uh, it's actually, I, I know that you had said it, you were, you were talking about the idea of, of holding to the label of being anti-revolutionary and I, I want to kind of bring our re- listeners along for that conversation. And, and that is this, that what we are, what we need people to see how we need to frame the discussion and, and not arbitrarily, but, but sincerely frame the discussion is that there is truly a revolution happening. And we're thinking French revolutionaries We're we're, we're thinking of, we're thinking of listening carefully to what is already being spoken out loud. So for example, today I tweeted out at at Global News, like Global News covered a recent transgender story reading hour and the controversies that are going on around that and their coverage of it was, what do we do about all the hate surrounding these story times? And the average listener is going to, the average reader that's going to go, yeah, hate. And I I don't want to, no, I don't want to be hateful. And I don't want to be known as being hateful. I'm going to just run away from it. But the title is, that's the purpose of it. The the purpose of it is to call people names so that everybody backs away from what's really going on. And what's really going on is a revolution, a revolution where grown men can be, sexually and erotically dance before children and dress vulgarly and read them stories and pretend that they're women. And somehow that is supposed to be accepted as healthy and normal and truthful rather than vulgar, demented and dangerous. And so the average person looks at that word hate and they run so far away from it that they don't sit and they go, oh, wait, no, I'm actually facing a revolution. I'm I'm facing a new French revolution. I'm facing a new uh, German, Italian, Russian revolution, you know, of that magnitude. And so – one of the things that you guys were talking about, and I like the idea of the resistance and you exploring this theme in the book, is that we just need to be willing to potentially maybe own that label of being, well, I'm anti-revolutionary. Like, I, it's I'm I'm not the revolutionary. I'm I'm anti-revolution. So in the same way that I'm anti-vax and, and not uh, not 
not to the fullest degree of that term, but in, in the way that they're labeling sure. people. And, and I'm anti-mask. And again, not that I want doctors to never wear masks or I'm not going to go skiing in the middle of winter and put on a put on a neck warmer that goes up over my nose. I'm, I'm you know, uh, we, we need to be willing to maybe take on this label so it helps qualify. So some of these labels that are being thrown at us, anti, 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 we go, well, yeah, actually I'm. I'm trying to conserve, preserve uh, our Christian Western lawful culture from becoming yeah. this this bloodbath of a revolution, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which in children's literature can only be described by personified by witch queens and 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 those types of evil, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so um, I'm reading another amazing book. You can't get him on the show because he has died, sadly. But a man named Whitaker Chambers. So in the mid-1900s, uh, he, he wrote a book called The Witness, all about um, a Soviet espionage uh, case that went was very, very famous in the 19, late 1940s. And so he basically, you know, had – he was able to testify because he had been a communist – and then he had this epiphany one day. He was looking at his two-year-old daughter's ear, and he said, only God could create that. And he began to believe in God. It changed his whole frame of reference. He ended up um, very carefully for his, you know, so they wouldn't kill him, leave the communist um, underground where he was working. And... Um, his term was counter-revolutionary, which I think is interesting too. So it's, it's um, we're not just going against it. We have something totally different to propose for society. Um, we have <laughs> freedom of conscience, I think is so foundational. And that's one thing that you did not have in any of these, either Bolshevik or Jacobin or any of these revolutions. Um, the collective yeah, I, completely I, destroyed. I, yeah, you didn't have it at Muskoka Bible Conference in the last two years either. You know, like this is how quickly this came at us. Like we, we can talk about this as far away Soviet Russia issues but this happened in ontario you to, to go to a you had to get in line you had to eat outside they had certain vaccine policies at uh, for a time where you know one of the young adults groups went up there and the unvaccinated kids ate outside for the first night because they didn't let them in like this happened at muskoka bible conference where you and i have gone for years and years to enjoy vacations and where uh where the oppression there was just ridiculous. And yeah. so this just crept in so quick. And um, I like that idea of counter and, 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 you know, this, it's interesting. You're reading, you're reading that book and it's called witness. Like this is something that the church has been trying to figure out. It is, it is this offering of Christ and his wisdom to the world in the face of the humanistic revolution. Yeah. That we actually have the journey of the martyrs who pay the price for that and the journey of those saved by the witness of the martyrs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like we totally. actually, this is the time to offer salvation to the culture. Yes. 
Absolutely. You know? There's no and, other, there's no other way. And I think at this point, um, we're snatching people from the fire. I think we're that close. Um, you know, things have, have deteriorated so fast. Like, I just think like, you know, the, the idyllic nineties of my teen years, I'm like, things weren't very great back then, but I don't think I was aware of homosexuality until my late teens. Like it just wasn't even on my radar. Um, and, and now it's like now, but in transgenderism, I had never, that wasn't even a thing I had even heard of, you know? So it, it's just crazy how in the span of a generation we've gone <laughs> full on the other way. It's, it's crazy. So we just, I think as parents, um, my son is 18 now and we realized very early on that we could not avoid these topics. We had to get in there and have the conversation before he heard it on the schoolyard, before he heard it from a teacher, we just had to go in there. So I, I hope Adam and the witch queen is, um, a springboard for parents to talk about some things that are happening around us in the culture um, in a, in a kind of gentle way. And I really hope that the, the hero Adam, um, inspires kids to say, you know, I may be small, but I can still push back. I can have courage. I can, you know. So I know that you've been prolific, you know, you, you've, you've, you've written the first book and published it. Mm -hmm. are, are we done the second one already? Um, so the second one is edited, um, and I've decided I'm to go through that. <laughs> I know. Click. Uh, oh by the way, gosh, editors, I really love you, but I truly loathe the fact that I need so much editing all the time. So which Matthew should be laughing his face off backstage because <laughs> I literally was on the podcast the other day and couldn't say the word compulsory. That's so funny. Anyways. Yeah, no, I opened up, yeah. I opened up the edited document and I was like, oh, I thought I improved my commas, but there are still over 3000 changes to be made tier. Anyway, oh, totally. that's how it goes, yeah. right? And they make you make them. It's not like, it's like, Hey, I'm going to pay you to edit this. And then they edit it and it comes back finished and you go, yeah, that's the way I want it written. Great. It's like that you pay them to criticize you and then make you do more work. It's it's, you know what? It's a, it's an arc in the hero story of overcoming, isn't it? Anyways, go ahead. Truly, truly. It's like getting into the third act. It's the final confrontation. Um, but I've decided to actually go traditional. So this book is self-published. It's print on demand. You can order it from any platform like Amazon in both Canada and the US. Barnes and Noble has it. Indigo has it. So order from anywhere, the distributor will, will, will get you a copy. Um, but I would like to get a greater reach with the next story. Um, and so I'm looking for a literary agent right now. So if any of your listeners are literary agents and they like me, call me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then the third story, actually, so the second story is another kind of, uh, it's a different character. So she's a girl. She goes into another world. She has a completely different adventure, much more lighthearted. Um, and then in the, in the third adventure, um, the two characters are actually going to meet. They're going to end up at the same school and through uh, a hole in a 
the ground where a tree has fallen, they're going to enter another world and have uh, an adventure together. That's great. That's awesome. Thanks. Okay. Well, you know, um, I think we've gone up and down with some like heavy and then just interesting dialogue. Uh, everybody just, you know, food for thought, right? We, we do not live by lies in, in this changing revolution. We need to have courage to be counter-revolution or anti-revolutionary, but maybe try to work friends about framing that conversation saying, wait, 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 wait. I'm not the one who wants to turn the world upside down. Uh, I'm, I'm the one living by God's creational norms here that are clearly evidenced. Um, you're the one who wants to live by the whims of crazy human imaginations and perverted ones. Um, and, and own that and own that title so that, you know, when we face that metaphorical witch queen in the world, we have some, we have some skin, we have some, some armor and, you know, I'm, I'm so encouraged, Carolyn, both by your personal by your personal story. And then of course, it, now that personal story has informed this good creative book. So everybody go out there. Um, it, Carolyn, I assume the book is available wherever books can be bought. Pretty much. Yep. And if you want to support your local independent bookstore, you can place an order through my website. Um, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, carolynjohnsonbooks.com. And I think it's called, uh, indie indie books or something like that and you can place your order through indie books and your local bookstore will will kind of get it and you can support them oh that's very that's very good so carolyn thanks for coming on everybody please give us a five-star rating and share this video especially if you're uh, an educator or a home educator uh if you're looking for you know good resources you know it, it it's often just how libraries are saturated saturated with you know with reading material that doesn't really do a lot for character development so it's it's great go out there buy this book share this book give it away thanks carolyn for being on and everybody i'll see you in a few weeks and we will pray that as christians we will be able to take the message of christ be that witness in this changing revolution thanks everybody godspeed